Hey, welcome to the Church Home Podcast. My name is David, and I'm the CEO here at Church Home. And I'm so glad that you've joined us today. In just a moment, you're gonna hear an encouraging message around the person of Jesus and his love for you. But if we can serve you in any way as a community, we would love to do that. And the best way for you to get connected is to actually chat with one of our pastors on our pastor chat tool, which you can do on churchhome.org or on the Church Home website. And hey, if you've been impacted by this podcast in your walk and journey with Jesus, we wanna invite you to exercise your faith by actually giving in generosity to help the message of Jesus go be spread across the globe through Church Home. And you can do so by texting the word generosity to the number 97,000. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this message. Hey, Church Home, welcome to our weekly service. My name's Elijah. If we haven't met before, I'm one of the pastors on the team at Church Home down in Los Angeles. I'm so excited for the opportunity to share with you today. And I know we have people joining us from around the world. So wherever you are in the world, whatever country you're in, whatever time zone you're in, you might be listening to this in your car on the ride to work right now. You might be gathering with some friends in your home or in a cafe somewhere. We believe at Church home, that church can happen in a home and church should feel like a home. And really church can happen anywhere, any day, anytime. And so I'm so excited that you decided to join us today, wherever you are, to hear this message of the good news of Jesus. So in a few moments, I'm going to jump right into some scripture and telling some stories and unpacking some truths out of the Word of God. If you're new to the Bible, um, that's okay. If you've been in church your whole life, you're welcome here too. Honestly, come one, come all. And I hope that today's message encourages you and speaks to you. Today, I'm doing a message called Always Remember. Always Remember. I don't know how you are with your memory, but I, I tend to frustrate my wife a lot at times because my memory is not nearly as good as hers. Or I should say, my memory works different than hers. The other day she was like, do you remember when our daughter Esther was just three years old and we were at that playground in Redmond, Washington and she fell off the swing on her back and I'm looking at her like, what are you talking? She's like, you don't remember that? I'm like, babe, our daughter's 22 now. You're wanting to, me to remember something from when she was three? I don't. She goes, no, no, no. Don't you remember she was wearing that little pink dress? It was raining outside. Like her attention to detail around this certain event just blew my mind. I had no recollection whatsoever. I'm like, babe, you know me. I can't even remember what we had for dinner last night. I don't remember who the Seahawks were playing two days ago. <laughs> I don't, there's a lot of things that I forget. But you know what's funny about the way my memory works? is if it's something with music, I can remember it. Like I still to this day remember every lyric to Ice Ice Baby by, by, by Vanilla Ice, which was a song that came out when I was in high school. I'm really old, um, but I still remember every single lyric. I actually can list off all 46 presidents in order because I learned them to the tune of Yankee Doodle. Did anybody else learn that growing up? Washington Adams, Jefferson Madison, Monroe Adams, Jackson, Van Buren, Harrison, Tyler Polk, Taylor Fillmore Pierce. Okay, I'm gonna stop right there. But I just want you to know, you know, so you believe me. So I remember random bits of information, but a lot of things I just kind of forget day to day. And we all are different when it comes to the things that we remember, things that are important to us. 
But I want to, for the few moments we have today, to dive into Ephesians chapter two, this text. And I believe that there's three important things that we should always remember, that if you take moments in your day-to-day journey with Jesus to remember and reflect on these things, it's gonna change the way you think. It's gonna change the way you live. It's gonna change the way you view yourself and view God. I really believe this is gonna impact you today. Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse one, it says, and you, that's you and me, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Wow. Just the first three verses here are pretty intense. The language is pretty intense here. This is uh, Paul, the apostle who wrote most of the letters of the New Testament to the different churches. This is a letter he's writing to the church that's in Ephesus. And he's saying right away, look, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. He starts with this. And so the first thing, the first takeaway today is I realize one thing we should always remember is remember who you were. Remember who you were before Jesus. It's important to remember that before Jesus, it doesn't say that you were just struggling a little bit, that you were not a good person, that you were trying to be a decent person, that you were an okay person. No, it says, the language here is that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That word trespass in the original language means to cross over a boundary. That means the original boundaries that God put up for our protection, (laughs) for our freedom, we crossed over the boundary. Of course, the very first trespass, the very first boundary that was crossed over was in the very beginning of creation with Adam and Eve in the garden when God said, hey, you've got all these trees you can enjoy the fruit from, but hey, there's this one tree. I don't want you to eat the fruit from it. And as we know the story, if you're familiar with church and with the Bible story is they, of course, were tempted and ate that fruit and crossed a boundary. So when it says you're dead in trespasses, that means the natural inclination of humanity is we're tempted to cross lines and boundaries. When somebody says that's off limits, I want to do it. (laughs) Somebody says you can't do this, I want to do it. If you have kids, I've got four of them. I do remember moments. I can't remember my daughter at three years old falling off a swing. Call me a bad dad for that. I don't know. But I do remember moments where one of my sons, I told him specifically that he couldn't eat the cookies and I left the room for two minutes and I came back and he's got cookies all around his mouth. And I said, son, where are the cookies? And he goes, I don't know. I don't know. That's because you don't have to teach selfishness to a child. (laughs) It's ingrained in the human experience. Innately, we're all born with selfish desires to want to say, mine, I want this. I want want what I can't have. That's that deadness and trespasses. But it says you're dead in your trespasses and sins. That word sin in the original Greek language means to miss a mark. You're trying to hit a standard. You're trying to hit the bullseye every time, but you just can't quite hit it. So that means that if we're not crossing over boundaries of sin, it means that even in our trying and striving to be good, even our trying and striving to hit the standard that God wants us to hit, we we fall short every single time. Well, if you didn't know this, that's why we all need a savior. This is why we all need Jesus. It's important to always remember who you used to be, 
who you were before Jesus. You were dead in your trespasses, dead in your sin. You were a, you were a live person. You were a walking dead person. I, it's like the other day, my wife and I were walking along the beach uh, down in, in Los Angeles. And we, were, we saw a crowd that had gathered and there was, we could tell there was a seal. And sometimes the seals come up close and sometimes they come out of the water. And this seal was like spinning around in the waves. And it only took me a few seconds to realize like, oh shoot, I think this seal just died somehow and it's being washed up on the shore. My wife was convinced. She's like, no, look at that seal. He's like having fun. He's spinning around in the waves. I'm like, honey, I don't, I think he's dead. She's like, no, he's not dead. She was so convinced. And so we had like a brief little argument over this. <laughs> but as we watched it, it didn't take long to realize, no, the seal in fact had died somehow. It was really sad and and was slowly being washed up on the shore. But the way he was being moved around by the waves made it look like he had life, made it look like there was movement and life in the seal. And I think a lot of times we think, you know, maybe I was a pretty good person, you know, maybe, yeah, Jesus helped me with some things, but, you know, he made me a better person. He made me a nicer person. When the reality of it is that, no, you and I, we, we were dead. Apart from Jesus, we can't do anything. Apart from Jesus, we were completely dead. We were on the road and on the path to an eternity, a Christless eternity in hell. We were separated from God. We didn't have anything to do with God. We may have looked like we had life. We were honestly like that seal. We were kind of pushed around by culture, pushed around by fads, pushed around by the opinions of people and, and our environment around us. A lot of us can be pushed around and look like we have movement and life because of the environment and the culture around us. But the reality is spiritually on the inside, we're dead apart from Jesus. Why is it important to remember this? You think that's kind of a, a dark thing. To, I don't want to wake up and think about how I was dead apart from Jesus. Well, let me tell you, if you've ever struggled with having a moment of not knowing what to praise or worship God about, knowing what to thank God about, thinking every day, always remembering who you used to be will help your worship life. It'll help you in, in the area of thanksgiving because every day, even regardless of what you're going through right now and the situations and circumstances and the trials that you're facing right now in life, you can always remember, at least I'm not who I used to be. Jesus, thank you that you saved me from that. And I would say the more specific you get, the deeper your praise and your thanksgiving gets. Don't just say, God, thank you for saving me from sin. Get specific. What did he save you from? When I take moments and I remember back to my early 20s, when I was just going through the motions at college and I'm like, oh my gosh, God, I forgot how lifeless and dead I was in my depression, in my depressed cycle. Jesus, you said, I was, I was dead in depression. I was dead in my lust and my lustful desires. I was dead in, in the bitterness and anger that I had towards family members in my early 20s. I think about the specifics of the deadness of who I was. And you think, well, maybe I, you don't like to reflect on those things because those were the bad years or those were the times of your life that, that made you feel guilty or made you feel shame. Listen, what once brought guilt to you now brings glory to God. I'm gonna say that again. What's, what once brought guilt to you can now bring glory to God. So when you think about the old life, when you think about the deadness of your sin and what he saved you from, it should not bring about the guilt anymore. It should bring about glory. It should bring about praise. It should have a moment of like, oh my gosh, I've got something to worship and to thank him about every single day. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I 
once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding me always of who I used to be in the deadness of my sin. The other reason why it's good to remind ourselves every day of who we used to be is for this thing called empathy. When you remember what you came from, let me say it this way. There'd be a lot less opinionated, judgmental Christians in this world if we took more time daily to remember who we used to be. That when we're seeing other people in the way other people sin, which by the way, it's easy to judge somebody else's sin if they don't sin like you do. (laughs) Think about that for a second. That convicts me to the core. But empathy comes, compassion comes, true heartfelt compassion for other people in their journey. When you remember, oh yeah, I was dead in my sin. Oh yeah, apart from Jesus, I'm a mess. I'm a nightmare. I can't do anything. And when we remember that, it keeps us in this humble place of recognizing we're just like everybody else. Can we stop putting people in categories? You know what I'm talking about? We like to put categories of sin. Well, there's this group and them and oh, them and this and that. Can we stop putting people in these categories and remember for a moment, take a step back for a moment and remember these are all God's children. We are all God's children, that God so loved the world. God didn't so love church people. God didn't so love good people. God didn't so love people who kind of got their lives together and stopped smoking and stopped cussing and stopped cheating and stopped lying. No, God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, that's when Christ died. That's when Jesus came to us is in our moment of deadness and sin. And so let's take a moment and always remember who we were so we can have moments of thanksgiving every single day to God and moments of empathy and compassion towards our brothers and sisters around us. Not judge, not point the finger, but remember we're all in this together. We're all in this together. We all need Jesus. We all need forgiveness. The second thing that we should always remember is in verse four and five of this passage. It says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. First thing we should always remember is who we used to be. The second thing we should always remember is what he did. Remember what he did. I love this part of the passage in verse four because it starts with, but God who is rich in mercy. And honestly, that but God might be the two most powerful words in this entire passage of scripture. (laughs) Because before this, we're dead in our trespasses. We're giving into fleshly desires. We're by nature children of wrath. I mean, and I didn't even get into breaking down all that. We're basically really bad people. But this but God comes in and saves the day. But God, who is rich in mercy. What this tells us is that God didn't have any reason to come after us in this low place. We were rejecting God. We were dead to God. We weren't running after God, but guess what? This but God tells us he was running after us. He was pursuing us. That's what this grace is all about. And this word grace comes up multiple times in scripture. What is grace? The original definition means unmerited favor. I remember uh, an acronym that a preacher gave a long time ago. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. 
God's riches at Christ's expense. Like it's this free, amazing gift. Forgiveness, his love, his goodness, all of his riches. And, and what's the cost of that? How much do we have to pay for it? No, it's, it's free. It's not cheap, but it's free. It's not cheap because it costs the life of Jesus, our savior. He died. God's riches are given to us. That unmerited favor is given to us at Christ's expense. It's a beautiful thing when we remember, always remember who we used to be and always remember what he did. Oh yeah, Jesus, he came after me. He rescued me. He came to me right in my weakest moment. I wanna talk for a moment today to, to broken people that are watching today or listening today. I wanna talk to people who are in a moment of weakness today. And maybe you've, it's a weakness, an area of brokenness that's frustrated you, it's exhausted you. Maybe you feel like you're in an addictive pattern. Maybe you feel like you're in a cycle of depression. Maybe you're battling right now for your mental health. Maybe you're in a, in a battle right now of every day just trying to, think positive thoughts and trying to get through your day and on the defensive constantly. Maybe you've exhausted yourself trying to get help because you just are in this low, weak place. Let me remind you of something that Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. It says, he, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know what weakness affords us? Weakness affords us an opportunity of need. What that means is that if you don't take a moment to humble yourself and acknowledge the weakness in your life, you don't truly connect with the need that you have for Jesus. The greater the weakness, the greater the need. And what we just read here is that in our weakest moments, that that's when Jesus shines and shows off the most. That's where his strength is perfected in your weakness. He wants to turn your weaknesses into your strengths. Let me just tell you a quick story. Years ago, I, uh, and if you, if you would know me, you know, I've shared stories like this before about how much I avoid hospitals and doctors. And if you're a doctor, no offense, I don't have anything against you personally. I just don't like your profession. I um, break out and get anxious when I walk into hospitals. I don't like needles. I pass out when needles get towards me. I don't like blood. I don't like, I, I don't even like talking about it. I'm starting to sweat right now, just thinking about it. But years ago, I was in tremendous pain in my early thirties. My back kept going out. And I went to the doctor and we realized something that I had kind of known most of my life, but one of my legs was an inch longer than the other leg. And I remember finding this out when I was in my teenage years and they said, well, you're going to be fine until about your thirties and then it's going to affect your hips and you're going to have back problems. And I'm like, oh, thirties, that's ancient. Uh, you know, when you're a teenager and you're like thirties, huh? well, all of a sudden speed up to, um, I was in my thirties and I'm, I'm seeing a chiropractor three times a week. I'm in severe pain. I mean, just walking, just doing basic activities with my kids. I remember sneezing one time and my back was out and I was laid out on my couch for two days from a sneeze. That's how bad it was. And so I found out that there was an orthopedic, orthopedic surgeon that did a surgery that's not very common, but, but they were gonna cut through my femur and take an inch out of my longer leg. 
I was six foot two on my right leg, six one on my left leg. So I went through with this surgery. This is back in 2014. And I'd never had surgery before in my life. I was really nervous. I didn't like needles. I remember they had to put me under, but I convinced the doctor to give me like the the fun happy gas first. And so um, don't judge me for this. But so I got all the really good gas first before they put the IV because I couldn't look at the IV, even the thought of an IV. Oh my gosh, it makes me freak out. And so they got me so gassed up that I didn't know what was going on. I'm like needles, yay. And so they put me under. They did this surgery where they cut an inch. They cut through my femur. Your femur is the largest bone in your body, ladies and gentlemen. It's the bone that runs from your thigh to your knee. They cut through there and took an inch out so my legs would be the same height. And they put a titanium rod from my hip to my knee. It was about nine months of rehabilitation and trying to get my leg back to where I could strengthen it and use it properly. And I remember going in for a checkup months later. And I remember asking the doctor, I said, doctor, is this because my femur was broken here? Is this always going to be my weak leg? He's like, you would think that, but it's actually the opposite. I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, this leg where the break was, because of the stress and the breaking of that bone, it caused your femur to produce new cells and new life around where that break is and around the titanium rod. He said, so actually, this leg, when you're fully healed up, will actually be stronger than the leg that was never broken. You could jump off a three or four story building and land on your legs. And he's like, you might break every other bone in your foot, but that femur is not gonna break. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna take your word for that. I'm not gonna try that. But I thought that was so interesting that the point where there was brokenness and weakness actually became the stronger leg. And I'm just believing that today for some of you who are listening in this moment and watching in this moment, where all you can do is reflect on your flaws, your weaknesses, your mistakes, and your failures. This is an opportunity for need. This is an opportunity for a but God moment. But God wants to come into your situation right now. He's coming into your car if you're on your way to work. He's coming into that house or wherever you're watching this message right now. And he is causing his strength to show up in the weakest area of your life. Can you believe that our God would want to strengthen these areas of your life that are so weak and so in need of Jesus and his grace and his strength and his mercy? But God, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. He wants to bring life to your soul today, just like he brought life to my femur many years ago. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to help you. Always remember who you used to be. Always remember what he did. And lastly, always remember who you are now. Look at verse six. It says, he raised up, raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Then verse eight says, for by grace, again, for by grace, you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I love this because not only do we need to remember who we were in the deadness of our sin, remember what he did, that but God. And you know what? But God wasn't just one moment in your testimony, your life, but you could have a but God moment today. You can have a but God moment tomorrow. Jesus wasn't just my savior 20 years ago. He's still my, I need him to save me today. I need him to help me tomorrow. I need him to be my savior every single day. But let's also remember who we are now 
in Christ. The first thing when I read this passage is I think about this word together because it comes up multiple times. We're together, together, together with Christ. I love this language because it speaks of proximity. That now we are with Christ. We are together with Christ. I think a lot of Christians have this perspective that God is a million miles away. He's really busy. He's probably focusing on other countries and like natural disasters and problems in other areas. And so maybe he's too busy for me. And this idea that God is like in the cosmos somewhere, he's in heaven. Oh man, God, if you have time for me, maybe. No, no, no. There's a quality about our God that is called omnipresence, which means that's a fancy word for meaning he's everywhere. The Bible says he's the friend that's closer than a brother. He never leaves you and he never forsakes you. The psalmist David in Psalm 139 says, I could try to run away to hell and he's gonna find me there. His spirit's gonna find, wherever I could run off to the mountains, I could run away from him. God's gonna be there. He's everywhere. And guess what? He wants you to know that he's with you right now. When you realize the proximity and the closeness that Jesus is closer than your next breath, It'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you operate. You'll begin to carry yourself with a new authority in knowing because authority stems from identity. And when you know who you are in Christ and you know whose you are in Christ, you have a new authority when you pray. Listen, I'm gonna tell you a little secret because every week myself and a lot of the pastors on our team, we're all on our feature called Pastor Chat, which you can get on right now on our website or on our app. And you can talk to a pastor right now in these moments and ask for prayer and ask for things. I think a lot of times people that are chatting with us on Pastor Chat think that because I'm a pastor, I have like special VIP access to God. <laughs> like I get to get into the green room with Jesus. Like I'm back with Jesus where the food is and with where the hangs are. And oh no, you get to see Jesus from afar. No, you're gonna be out in the crowd. And when Jesus is showing off on the stage, I'm using some metaphor about a performance here, but I think you understand what I'm saying. The reality is, let me tell you the crazy little secret here is that I'm not any closer to Jesus than you are. We have the same access and the same proximity to God. All you have to do is call upon his name, Jesus, and he's there. You have the same proximity, you have the same authority. And not only do we have authority and proximity, but the last thing that this tells us is that we're seated with him in heavenly places. That sitting posture is a place of rest. That means that who you are now is not a striving person. It's not a person that, well, I gotta try harder. No, we just gotta trust deeper. We just gotta say, you know what? I'm seated with Jesus. That means I can rest in who I am in Christ. I can rest in knowing I don't have to perform for him. It's not about my performance. It's not about, not about me striving anymore to try to please him. It's not about me trying to run around and do things for God. No, every other religion focuses on do, do. This is what you gotta do. This is what you gotta do. Christianity is the only one that focuses on done. It's already been done. So let's just be seated with Christ. That's who we are, close to him, proximity with him the authority that we have with him. He's right here. And we're in a place of rest, knowing he's in control. He's got it. He's gonna take care of you. Can we remember these three things each and every day? Your memory might not be so good like mine, <laughs> but let's remember who we used to be. Let's remember what he did. And let's remember who we are now in Christ. I wanna pray for you.
Jesus, I thank you so much for these moments that we have today. God, I pray that your presence would surround each and every person that's listening or watching this, that maybe is in a moment of weakness and struggle. God, your strength is perfected in our weakness. And I just declare that over somebody's life today. I declare that over somebody's health today. I declare that over somebody's finances today. I declare that over relationships and marriages today. God, I thank you, Lord, in the weakness and the fracturedness of even families that are represented watching today. God, your strength is about to show off and your grace for families that are in weak places right now, for people who are jobless right now. God, I just thank you right now for giving us that posture of rest today, of knowing you're in control. God, knowing that you've got us, you're taking care of us. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I wanna pray right now, if you're, if you're listening, if you're watching, and maybe you've never said yes to this free gift that we talked about today, you've never had that but God moment to say yes to Jesus. Right now on the count of three, just right where you're at, this might seem really foolish, but just you can raise your hand in your car, in your living room, in that park, in that coffee shop, wherever you are right now to just say yes to Jesus. One, two, three. You just say, yeah, I need a relationship with Jesus today. I need that but God moment. And by responding right now, your sins are forgiven and removed as far as east is from west. And the Bible says anyone who's in Christ is a brand new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become brand new. You just made the greatest decision of your life by saying yes to Jesus. Thank you so much for taking time today out of your schedule to be with us and have church together. I'm praying that the rest of your week's gonna be amazing. We'll see you next time.